This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 682 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. On tonight's show, we've got Elizabeth Malloy, chef to keep for Region 3 at the North American Youth Dressage Championships. And then friend of the show, Ashley Rand, joins us to talk about training in Ohio after returning home from Florida. And Coach Tony is back and will be our trainer tip. Reese Scoffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. How are you this week? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Reese, <laughs> you've had a very busy week traveling up to Michigan, I guess. Traverse yes. City. Yep. I was in Traverse City. I flew up um or well, I actually left kind of midday Monday and I returned late night Sunday. So I was gone almost a week actually. Um, and first of all, Traverse City is a beautiful area. My best friend from college lives in Traverse City. She doesn't do horses. So in the evenings, I was able to spend some time. I haven't spent time with her, you know, obviously with the pandemic in a long time. So that was really special. Um, and during the day, I was the chef to keep for the Region 2 junior team. So shout out to my team. It was quite an experience. This is the first time I've done this. And um, later on in the show, we're going to have one of my fellow chefs, Liz Malloy. She's coming on. Um, to talk a little bit about our experience and, and what it was, but it was really fun. Um, one of my favorite parts though, Phil, was uh, the Young Riders was during the World Championships um, in Denmark. And so we were able, and I, I'm sure there's pictures somewhere, I have pictures as well, where we all pulled up and uh, the organizing committee opened the competition ring and they let golf carts and car, um, chairs and people come in and sit. And we all sat around, they had popcorn, like somebody was bringing popcorn around and we watched uh, the freestyle and it was such a special, like it, it was just fun. You know, it was fun to see the kids. They ran up to the screen when Adrian Lyle came down the center line and we got their pictures and it was just a really special thing that they did. And I just really enjoyed it. it it was, it was a lot of fun, but what an event. I, I have to be honest, because I was so focused on the kids, I, I didn't get to watch as much of, of the world championships as um, I should have. But, oh, my goodness, I was able to see Charlotte Fry in Glamourdale. Oh, I have a I have a horse crush now for sure. How about you, Phil? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it seems like it seems like there's always a dark horse at, at, yeah. at the top and, I, and not like a a horse coming from nowhere or whatever, but like a physically a, a black horse you yeah. know, from totalists to, um, what was it? What was Anki's horse before um, totalists? Salonero. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's right. That's people are just in love, just in love with these black horses and then Vallegro, of course. And, yes. and, and oh. so on. And yeah, a little bit different experience than what, you know, last world championships were, you know, uh, we were running from we a hurricane and, and, <laughs> <laughs> the weather and stuff. Yeah, yes, we went to I don't try think, uh, Denmark gets very many. Yeah, Denmark doesn't get very many uh, hurricanes. <laughs> hurricanes. But, uh, <laughs> but 
Well, congratulations to all the riders and the teams. I think it was really fun that the team championship was a little bit mixed up, you know, rather than uh, rather than Germany winning like like they do all the time, the Olympics mm-hmm. and the and the world championships. Denmark won their first world championships. That was really exciting. Silver was Great Britain. Bronze was Germany. Fourth was Sweden. Fifth, wow. Netherlands. Sixth, that's USA, was mm-hmm. sixth. So I think the top 10 placers were are now automatically qualified for the Olympics. That's in uh, Paris is the next Olympics. Yes, yes. So and then Spain, Australia, Austria, Portugal, so on and so forth. So, yeah, re- really good to see, you know, see the different countries mixing it up in, in the competition. That's uh, pretty fantastic for Denmark to be, you know, champions at home. That's that's uh, really oh, fun. so special. You felt for them. I was so excited for them. And uh, just to be there in your home country. How cool is that? So uh, in the Grand Prix, that was uh, Catherine Dufour won the, the Grand Prix. And then the Charlotte Fry Glamour Dale. Dinia van Leer from Holland was third. Charlotte, your favorite, uh, was was fourth on a different horse. That's Im- On a different new horse. She's a boss. I love her. <laughs> Uh, Isabel, the real boss, mm-hmm. the real uh, boss, yeah, was fifth on a new horse. Yes, uh, also was, boss. I know a lot of riders just, yeah, um, you know, debuting horses this year mm-hmm. and and getting them some experience before the next Olympics. And then uh, sixth, Benjamin Berndal. Seventh was Denmark again. Eighth, Denmark. Ninth, Frederick Vandres. 10th, Daniel Bachman Anderson. Uh, 11th, Patrick Kittel. 12th, Juliet Remmel. The Sweden, Sweden's getting, getting a stronger yeah, team. They're, they're, they're coming along they're, here. They're coming along. They really are. And they ride. It just It's very classical and beautiful. It's really, to watch the Swedish riders go, it's it's quite nice. So, yeah, I mean, uh, congratulations. That was a, the, the Grand Prix was for team competition. And then, and then the special was written... I guess they they're giving a lot of um, a lot of medals these days. I yes, they give so many medals. It's it's hard <laughs> to keep track of actually. Yes. Yeah, true. Charlotte Fry won won the special, followed by Catherine Dufour, uh, and then Dinya Van Leer. Yeah, they they were Isabel. all three of those guys were really they were really. It's pretty. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty yeah. tight. The top score is eighty two, and then the you know all the way down through tenth seventy five. So, I mean, it's tough, tough competition. Yeah. I mean, they were and all fun that, to watch. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's all fantastic riding and fantastic horses and unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So cool. And we have to give a shout out too to the U.S. para dressage team. They were bronze medal overall, which was amazing. Kate Schumacher was silver medal and Becca Hart was bronze medal. So it was so fun. They're friends of our show. They've been on and they're just, they're just awesome people. And I just got goosebumps when I saw it. I just was so thrilled for them. Um, it just really made me, made me happy. So, um, really, if you, if you get a chance, watch some of these rides online and, uh, Phil, I cut you off. Sorry. Right. I was so excited about the para, but we didn't talk about the freestyle, which was something to watch. It was spectacular. Yeah, I mean, they, they've uh, changed sort of to doing freestyles at night and, you know, kind of uh, like a Wellington thing that un, under you know, freestyles under the lights. And I think that, that makes it much more uh, dramatic, visually very dramatic and um, 
I kind of wonder how the writers feel about it, but uh, you know, from 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 watching at home, I think that's a, it's a really good decision to be you know doing the freestyles yeah. with the lights. And the stadium was packed. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean the the Europeans really you know have an educated eye and really go to you know really turn out for these uh, these championships and 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 um, and and really support it. And I I think that's that's fantastic. You know, uh, the the horses sometimes have a little issue with it because the you know the noise of it and just you know especially horses from North America don't don't get a lot of exposure to that. That you know that's why we try to send the team riders over to Europe all the time because yeah. you know if if you're if if you're riding in a major championships the the sounds from the stands it's just it's it's very exciting and and you know horses are horses and. And you know, you know, they're they're they can be spooky and they can have problems. So I think you know the the, the teams really try to get people experience in those environments. For sure, I love it. Well, we hope you get a chance to take a look at you know all the it's online. It's easy to find. Just Google it, and it's amazing. And and definitely take an afternoon or or have a girls' night to watch it because it's it's really worth your time. But we have a great show. We're going to jump right in, Phil, after this break from Kentucky Performance Products. You hear a familiar whinny as you walk up to the barn. Her adorable face pops out over the stall, ears pricked in your direction. She snuffles you for a treat. Her soft lips gently brush against your palm as the treat disappears. She hangs her head close to yours as you share a quiet moment. You kiss her on the nose. The softness of her downy muzzle and the wonderful smell of horse fills your senses. The feeling you get when you kiss your horse. True love. This feeling is brought to you by Elevate. Fight back against vitamin E deficiencies that can cause muscle soreness, nerve dysfunction, and poor immune response. Elevate was developed to provide a highly bioavailable source of natural vitamin E to horses. It maintains healthy muscle and nerve functions, so horses are more likely to perform better and recover faster after training or competing. The horse that matters to you matters to us. Well, tonight I am really excited to have one of my fellow chefs from last week at the North American Youth Championship, Liz Malloy from Terra Mia Farm. Liz, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Reese. Nice well, to see you last week at NAYC. I, I know we had a great, great time. So, Liz, tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you wind up as, as chef of the Region at Three team? Well, I am a um, board member with my uh, local um, GMO, and so we are Georgia Dressage and Combined Training. And so um, years ago, I brought forward an idea to um, host possibly the uh, third uh, London Gray Dressage for Kids Festival here in Atlanta. And so I needed to go to the board to basically um, ask for support, and they thought it was a fabulous idea and encouraged me to run for the board, and so I did. And then that meant I started going to convention. And then uh, Sue Bender, who's our director, was just looking for more youth help. And so youth was my jam or is my jam. And so I just uh, absolutely started volunteering and it was a coordinator for a few years. And then that led into the chef position. 
Fantastic. And we were kind of explaining earlier in our intro, Chef is kind of like the general manager. We kind of make sure that that um, all the information is given to the riders and the coaches and the, and, and the support teams, the grooms. We also do the draws, um, which is very interesting. I didn't know, I never actually sat in on a draw. So uh, could you kind of explain that as at an international competition, sort of how that goes at the championships? Oh, yeah. The draw is really fascinating. Uh, The team draw is actually different than for the individual. And so the team is, um, we get uh, the same number of rubber duckies that we have teams. And then chefs are selected to come up and just pick a number or a rubber ducky. And on the bottom of that um, is a position for that team. So if region three goes up and picks a, a ducky and it says um, number five, then that means region three will go in the fifth slot for each rider. And we hopefully have a full team of four riders. So every time there's, you know, uh, a full set of eight goes, <laughs> if I'm making the sense of this, um, then, you know, that's our position. And then um, what they do for the individuals, it's actually really quite random. They literally um, just draw a position number and then a rider number. And so that's how the individual uh, draws for the individual riders are selected. So it's um, quite fun. It can be suspenseful. And I was quite pleased for uh, Region 3 as we actually drew um, literally the eighth slot. So it can be advantageous uh, for our riders to go later um, in the set of each team placing. So that was exciting that we actually did draw the last spot. So. I'm just yeah, going to say, no. I was, I was for my juniors, I was second to last. I was pretty happy. That was a pretty good oh, draw. Okay. You want to l- yeah. draw later in the rotation. So my team, I'm just going to say, I also had a lucky, they did, they were lined up rubber duckies and they were so, super cute and they gave them to us. And it was a cute momentum, memento from the, from the week. But I'm just saying, I also, I was like you, I, cause you're really nervous. You don't want to draw one or two and you have yeah, zero. Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah, say. Is like, that you, you, you know, nobody, nobody wants to be that that number one slot and you don't want to no. be the one responsible for drawing that number one slot. So <laughs> no, there's pressure. Yeah. That's a a pressure, skill. Yeah. Person. <laughs> oh, you don't want to be that person for your team. It's super. That's it's right. It's true. <laughs> no, it's great. And that's right. So those draw lists are then put up for the riders and athletes. It's always, it's not always the day before. Um, there are some days that the kids had off and that kind of stuff, but they're usually done either the evening before or the day before, depending on what draw it is. And um, that's the order of go. And, you know, the, the, that is the hard part about NAYC. It's run just like, you know, any other international team competition. So the athletes have to really get used to what that means and how that is and works, et cetera. So um, that was a really good, good deal. So um, that was my first time, again, sitting in on the draw. Um and, uh, you know, there were also some really fun things, wasn't there, Liz, during the week? I, I enjoyed the parade and we had the watch party. That was probably my favorite was the watch party. I don't know if you guys went to that. Um, we, we did not actually attend that, but it was wonderful that the horse show organizers have so many social events uh, for us to attend to, you know, outside of just playing competition. So it gets our mind off things. So, uh, indeed. Yeah. I mean, opening ceremonies to me, that is just a surreal moment. You know, we go in the order and I loved how they had the jumpers, uh, zones mixed yep. in with our region. So the threes were with the threes and that was just, you know, really 
surreal. And then in the very end, they had the drone that lifted up. I have not gone back to watch a video of this, but it spells <laughs> NYC. And so we were the bottom of the sea. We were like um, a little serif in um, the font because <laughs> we had a golf cart with us so, due to our um, an injured rider. So we were um, made the little hook in the bottom of the sea. So that was great fun. <laughs> we were on the end. So that was super fun, like the middle of the end, which was cool because mm-hmm. they had a, they had mm-hmm. a, a spray paint on the ring. So we all knew where to stand. Um, <laughs> yeah, you go, you get your picture taken. It's really, it was really fun. I enjoyed that as well. It was, it was great. Yes, yes, indeed. And it absolutely makes it feel like Kid Olympics. So yes. yeah, that was, that was great. I love it. I love it. And then your young rider team, woo, gold medalist. Yes. Yes. That was so exciting. So again, going back to that draw, you put your weakest rider first to go in that, you know, the batches of the eight. And so I put, uh, according to their scores, the way that they qualified coming into NYC, I put uh, my fourth rider as my first rider and she held, um, a top score and first place position and with over 67% for the majority of the, of the class. And then, um, my second rider was a second right behind her. So we had California on top and then probably California uh, below us <laughs> region seven. Yeah. And so, um, but, uh, that's what secured, uh, the gold medal. And if I remember correctly, it was by 0.7 of a total point. I mean, 199 and blah, 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 and change and hundred, you know, 98 and change. So it's a real nail biter. That's what makes the team competition so absolutely exciting. Oh, so fun. Really cool. No, it was fun to watch. It was just fun to watch. It was fun to be a part of it. And then, you know, to see to um I knew I knew Mary Claire who was on your team. She's from she trains here in Kentucky. So it was super fun to to cheer them all on. And it was just a great week. And and that was a tough competition because seven was really strong. That's the California group. They were incredibly strong this year. So uh also fun to watch for sure. Yes, yes, indeed. Indeed. And then um, team four was a big challenge for us uh, mm-hmm. with the junior riders, region four. So they were, and they were great. They were the, the Kement sisters and Ella. Um, they were phenomenal. They were, they were pretty unbeatable on our end. Um, but it was just, I, those girls, they both been on the show. They're so fun. We love having them. And uh, it was just great. It was a great week. Anything else, Liz, that you want to tell about the week or advice for parents as they, as they move forward, getting ready for it? Oh boy. Um, the biggest (laughs) number one advice I would tell any brand new parent is get that passport done like this fall. Yes. You know, do not wait, do not wait, uh, to get it. Um, and then of course, make sure the timing of the shot records is within the six months of the date of the actual competition. So we have to pay Mm -hmm. attention to that, but, um, don't delay, uh, starting that, uh, passport application and you may as well go ahead and pay for the expedition of it on top of it. And it's just yeah. worth to get it back in your hand because uh, you just never know when things are out of your hands and control, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, That's a great tip. but, uh, and then, uh, the fundraising is so important for these teams. Um, yes. and then parents, you know, need to, to realize, you know, with, um, fundraising goes towards the team expenses, um, meaning, you know, chef expenses, if you bring, um, a veterinarian, your own farrier, what have you, um, those are all part of the team expenses. It's not necessarily to pay for your personal horse, you know, to get shipped. So, you know, that's, uh, something that they need to have in mind as to what, you know, fundraising actually goes for. 
So, and then there's many ways, of course, you can be so creative with fundraising. I've, I've, uh, in through my time, uh, watched a girl make a, a bunch of, uh, banana bread and stand out in front of, um, tractor supply and sell banana bread and make $700 in a day just for her own endeavors. And, you know, um, kudos yes. to her. You know, we talk a lot about, you know, the young, um, young children and riders and youth at some point they need to come off of their parents' bill. And so how can you become financially a little bit more independent, you know, so fundraising, it doesn't matter anything and everything counts, you know, don't belittle a tax sale or use clothing sale. I mean, all of it really does, you know, contribute. Yeah. And I think that's really important because I mean, Traverse city, that area is beautiful, but it's high season for them and it's very expensive. I don't care where you are, what you're doing. It's a very expensive area. And like you said, um, you know, each, each team technically brings a two chefs. So, you know, it, it, it gets, cause I know I, I, I had the bills and I mean, it gets very expensive just to have us there. Um, and, and, you know, we have to be there, um, to help. And, and, um, yeah, my, my other thing was I didn't, I told my riders, they really had to pay attention to the communications that came out. Um, that was really important. Um, and not only answering the emails, but reading the emails, really reading them. So they knew what was going on, but also, um, knowing that things were going to change and being slightly adaptable in a competition that happened a few times where, you know, they would just change the schedule, but they would change it by like 30 minutes, like for, especially for schooling and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, that was difficult for some of our athletes, uh, and it was difficult for us too. Like we didn't like it. That wasn't, <laughs> I was like, don't kill the messenger. This is what we got. So, um, a little bit of being, being clear that you're, you're really listening and watching the communications. And this would be the same if you're at pony club championships or, or any big championships, sometimes things change fairly quickly and, and to kind of be, be ready for that and, and be ready for that communication. So that was only my tip that I had along with the fundraising and and that kind of stuff. So and trying to try to have, you know, some of the things ironed out ahead of time, like the jog outfits and what are you going to wear in the parades and, you know, some of that stuff, you know, I, I, I think having that done ahead of time is really good. We had, you know, somebody running around to try to find a skirt, you know, or something. And it was like, Oh, why did we do this? Um, so I think, I think some of that is important too. So yeah, but it's an yeah. amazing event, isn't it? No, it absolutely is. You know, post COVID People really have um, picked that they're going to continue to show, pick their sport, pick what shows they're going to pursue. And the North American Youth Championships is clearly, you know, the most prestigious event a youth member can really attend uh, in their young adulthood. And um, so even just qualifying for and saying you may, you know, you were able to qualify whether or not you actually attended, that's uh, a feather in your hat, certainly. And just uh, getting there, you know, the kids have already won, you know, regardless of uh, how the competition plays out, you know, from that point on. Of course, you know, we want to continue to do well at the event itself, but it is truly the fruition of their effort, you know, um, a fruition of their effort, I should say. And so uh, that does make it very special indeed. Exactly. Well, Liz, well said. And again, it was just a pleasure to work with you all week and I hope to do it again in the future. And how can our listeners find you online, especially if they're in the, um, in, in your region three area, how can they chat with you? Uh, I am on Facebook as Elizabeth Malloy. And so they can find me there. Uh, we do have a region three Facebook page. Um, and then I do have a Terramia writing school, Miss Liz at com email. 
So fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, everybody had a favorite morning drive show in the days we all listened to radio. They were goofy, funny, and entertaining. You can have that again, only this time it focuses on life with horses. We are here every weekday on your podcast player. Search for Horses in the Morning and come join us. We are a little goofy, hopefully funny and entertaining, and you might learn something along the way, too. We are the world's leading daily podcast about horses since 2010, with over 2,600 episodes for you to binge on. Subscribe today. What are you waiting for? Pull your phone out of your pocket, blow off the hay, and subscribe to Horses in the Morning. Well, tonight we are so happy to have one of our favorite guests. She's been on the show for many years, and she is a professional rider in Cleveland, Ashley Rand Torres of Art Dressage. Welcome back, Ashley. Thank you. So happy to be back. Well, I've wanted you on the show because you missed our 10-year anniversary shows, and you've been a huge part of the show for many, many years. I don't even know when I first tortured you to come on the show, but now you're a, a professional rider, you're riding for Canada, you ride internationally at Grand Prix, and we wanted to check in and say hi. Well, hello. It has been a long time, but I'm glad to be back and give some insight on what's been going on. <laughs> Yes, so you've had a lot going on recently. So we wanted to to ask you about it. What have you been up to? Well, I am in the middle of the summer here in Northern Ohio after a full year and a half down in Wellington training. Um, So it's, you know, bittersweet being so happy to be home and back running my business. But also, you know, it's so good to be in Florida with my trainer and coach and constantly getting better all at the same time. So there's always pros and cons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at home now, you you built with your family a, a, a very large barn, right? Yeah. So we have like about 100 acres just east of Cleveland. I don't have that many stalls. I think right now I have about 14 horses. And that is, we are full, spilling out <laughs> horses everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And you have some, you bred some, right? You did some breeding. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, dipping my toe into everything I can. Um, I bred one of my mares, so I have a yearling that I created, and I don't know if that's a good or bad thing yet. We shall see. Um, <laughs> and then I, he had to have a friend because I didn't want him to grow up alone, so then I imported a yearling from Canada last winter. So I have two yearlings, a couple of retired guys, and then right now about 11 full training horses. That is keeping you out of trouble for sure. Oh yeah, (laughs) definitely. (laughs) So Ashley, talk to us. I mean, one of the reasons we wanted to chat tonight was, you know, talking about kind of, and this could apply that, you know, if you go to a clinic or if you go to your trainers for a week, or in your case, you were extensively training and now you've come home. And I think that's hard for everybody to sort of maintain focus. So we wanted you to kind of talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I consider myself a really intense person to begin with. So in both extremes, I can find myself when I'm in Wellington or if I, you know, even when my coach comes for the weekend, we have an intense couple of days of learning, developing so many new things. 
and you get really amped up and excited for the future and it's great. And then when that leaves or you come home or whatever, sometimes you go through a, a period of time where it's like you look around and you're like, I'm alone. You start questioning yourself or, oh, my horse didn't do this during the clinic or training and you don't have the help there. So sometimes you can not get like in a lull of training, but you kind of just back off and you're, it's not as productive, I would say, as it would be, you know, full time with a coach or trainer. But like I really, this past summer, it was really good for me because I took a step back. My horses had a year and a half of full blown, you know, we were really hammering the training and sometimes it is okay. And it is, you have to remind yourself, it is okay to take them on long hacks instead of going and schooling the Grand Prix or making everything perfect. It's okay to have times where they also have a break mentally and physically themselves, not just you. So it's definitely good and bad all at the same time. <laughs> We're all working through it together. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's really important to uh, try to figure some stuff out on your own. You know, uh, we all have the experience of having, you know, your trainer or somebody, somebody, you know, a good knowledgeable person, you know, standing in the middle, looking at what you're doing and saying, okay, this needs to be better, that that could be better, or it could be more like this and more like that, you know. And then you've got to got to try to you know figure it out for yourself and and figure out. You know, how do I get that kind of performance out of my horse and, and, and out of myself when there isn't a, a really good expert standing there motivating you, you know, helping you to, to kind of, you know, yeah. lead, lead you to success that that's got to come from, you know, kind of within and, and it's got to come from, you know, more learning and more, you know, trying, trying to work hard, but to figure it out on your own and, and to figure out what works for you and what works for your horse. And, and that, that's a really tough process, I think. Yeah. And I think you put it really like that was really well said because I, I do feel like there was a time where I was like, okay, we need a break, you know? And then after really, you know, I'm really new to the international Grand Prix scene and, you know, I had so someone there with me holding my hand for a year. They're like, we're doing this. And they basically told me what to do, when to do it. And coming home, I had to figure that out on my own. So it's overall making me a better trainer and rider coming home and making those mistakes and saying, okay, that didn't work. Now plan B. And that's basically what training and riding is, right? Like you try something and it doesn't work. You try something else. And I really, I think I'm making a better Grand Prix horse in this process with me messing up and then having to find what works and becoming a better rider myself. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's a, that's a process. I don't, it doesn't matter if you're riding Grand Prix or you're doing whatever level you're doing, right? There's times in riding where you really need a lot of help or you've had a lot of help and, and your trainer goes on vacation or, you know, whatever. And, and you're out there by yourself and you have to kind of figure it out. And truly at the end of the day, when you're at a competition, you will be in that ring by yourself with your horse for seven minutes. So on some level, to kind of, you know, we're all trainers. We all have horses in full training. We train people full time, but you know, at some point it is okay to step back and say, all right, let me try this myself. And and now, I mean, Ashley, I know you do virtual lessons. That is very helpful too. If you're really stuck, right. You can, you've, you've, you've done that, right. You've done some virtual stuff. 
Yeah. So I've taught virtual lessons. You know, I taught some all last year when I was in Florida and I take one to two virtual lessons a week from my trainer, but it's more, I find the virtuals really helpful just to check in. You know, I like to check in and say, these are the exercises I found really helpful this week with these problems. You know, you can't get into the nitty gritty virtually, at least like I haven't found that, but it is helpful just to, for me personally, to be like, okay, you're on the right track. You're still on the right road. You're going in the right direction. Um, and you know, all of my horses. And I think that gives also a peace of mind, just, okay, we're not messing things up. <laughs> you know, we're all going in the right direction. So, you know, the virtuals, there are definitely pros and cons to it. I like teaching virtuals a lot because I find there's a good balance between I'm not physically there, so they have to ride better. I find people ride better and are smarter in their riding when I teach virtuals because I'm not, you know, standing right there telling them every step. I'm like, you know, give them an exercise and I can talk them through it, but it's a different feeling. A lot of it is really just a uh, confidence thing, right? I mean, if if you know you've got your coach on the line, you know, um, talking to you virtually, that's going to give you enough confidence to, you know, to go after the exercises and 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 really ride like like you said, you know, it's uh, it's hard to do that, uh, you know, on your own and and absolutely no one watching, and then and then you just kind of go about the exercises and the work that you've that you've been given as homework, but you you don't really have the confidence to, you know, ride really crisp uh, transitions, for instance, or you know, things 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 of this nature. Yeah, definitely. I I do. I like that there's technology to help us, you know, when we're not right there. But um, you know, it is. It's a lot about confidence and riding. You need a lot of confidence, and I think that's a big part of our job is to help people find the confidence in what they're doing and executing it even when we're not there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's so true. And I think that is part of it too, as, as you go forward and then you, especially in a Florida type situation where it is so intense all the time and it's very easy to be intense because everyone around you is intense. If that makes sense, like we're all doing the same thing and we're all supportive and we're all there and we're all talking about it when you go home, it isn't like that as much. It's almost like you let the air out of the balloon. And I think you talked about it a little bit when you said like, I gave the horses a break, but then yeah, you got to get ready and show and do what you're going to do. So I think that that's really important to always remember that and, and to have, have guidance, but you know, do it yourself. Right. And it takes a lot of planning. You know, I used to not think too much about it until it really, you have to plan. Okay. I'm leaving Florida this time of year, this month, and you have to plan, okay, the horses need some downtime. Mentally, I needed downtime. You know, that much intensity for a year and a half is just exhausting. And I myself was just overly exhausted. So we came home and then you have to plan out, okay, how do I build them back up? How do I build their fitness back up? How do I approach this? I want to show when you know, because then it's another climb to another season in Florida or another summer show season. So for me, it took a lot of sitting down and looking at the calendar, what I wanted to do and how to let them have their break, but also gradually build them back up into uh, performance shape. 
Yeah, I think that's you've got to really look, uh, you know, at all times, you know, three months ahead at least to, you know, to be able to perform, you know, at your best and, and to have your horses performing at their best. Yeah. Yeah. So Ashley, what's next? What do you, what is the next client for you? So right now I actually, I just submitted some paperwork. I'm hoping to do Devin as my first um, Grand Prix CDI. So hopefully fingers crossed that goes well. And then I'm honestly just starting to get ready for Florida again. You know, this fall we'll be getting them ready to go back to Florida and hopefully do the shows down there. Um, I have a small tour horse that I'm excited. You know, he's really coming along. And so hopefully I'll have two international horses for a season next year, which will be really exciting. Oh, that'll be so excited. You know, I'm, I'm your number one fan, so I will be there. Um, and I, I love it. And I <laughs> love seeing you guys grow and develop. It's so fun. So Ashley, how can our listeners find you online if they're interested in your training program? Um, they can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Art Dressage. And I am always around Facebook or text me. My, I have a website, artdressage.com. And yeah, I love to talk and anyone has questions, I'm open for questions. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you guys so much. Well, for tonight's tip of the week, we are so excited to have Tony Sandoval, our trainer, my trainer, and uh, he helps me a lot. We're, we're going to talk about injuries tonight, aren't we, Tony? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we totally are. It was inspired by real life acts that are happening as we speak. <laughs> yeah, I saw Tony this morning and I was like, Tony, my shoulder hurts. My legs hurt. <laughs> So, uh, but no, seriously, I mean, riders, I mean, we're constantly, and it's a little bit in the culture to say, oh, you know, your horse stepped on your foot, like get up there and ride kids. But no, I think a lot of what you've really helped me with is, is knowing sort of when, when it's real pain and when do I need to really pay attention to it? And, uh, when do we need to call a doctor just general sort of it's not always good to tough it out. Right. So I think that's sort of embedded it a little bit in our culture. So we wanted to talk about that with you tonight. Yeah, no. I, and again, I think given our current, current status here, it, it is important to understand when just taking care of your body is the call. And then when going to a doctor or if the doctor sending to sending you to a physio or physical therapist, that you should actually follow doctor's orders and go to a therapist so that they can help you not only get out of pain faster, but also stop you from yourself. Because I know that in the culture, it is get up and get back at them, but uh, you never stop to think at, at the expense of the horse, what's, what's going to happen there. Yeah, I mean, for sure, you know, when I was when I was younger and, and uh, you can you can fall off and you can just get back on and you can, you know, just keep going. And but I've noticed, mm -hmm. you know, as as I'm getting older, all of those all of those falls and all those things, you know, they, they add up. Right. And and then, you know, maybe um, if I had taken care of, you know, each of those things or, you know, done a little bit better job that I wouldn't have all these aches and pains and 
and you know just sort of the accumulation of the injuries and you know I, i'm certainly not recovering as fast as i used to and uh, you know you you really feel it later on in life right right and i think that in, in every sport that is common and my experience with dealing with pain has been with dealing with a lot of sports and where you know the the severity is relative to the sport so in football Obviously, those are very high-impact injuries that you know when you know there's a major injury that you should be going to the doctor. But then there's these little aching ones, like say in women's soccer, where somebody gets a Charlie horse, and then there's a bruise that accumulates there and inflammation. And then when is it okay? Well, we just we don't need to go to the hospital per se. The edema is not that bad, but we do need to take some precautions and protocols, see the right personnel, so that they can make sure that it's not anything serious and just more uh, soft tissue care, as we call it. So knowing the difference is, I think, very important. Well, I think for, for when we're managing our horses, we're, we're for sure looking to, you know, reduce inflammation at, you know, at all, all the junctures so that these things don't, you know, build up or, or come back or, you know, we're, we're very good at taking care of taking care of our horse athletes and we're very poor at taking care of our own bodies and our and our own riders yeah and you know Phil, i mean that's I, I use every type of analogy when it comes to what the equestrian knows about their horse and then how the similar treatment training program regimen whatever you want to call it that goes into the horse can be done to the person as well so when it comes to injuries uh, it's I mean, right now I just, I have, or had a pimp machine on my leg to help some inflammation that I got going on in my leg. And I will, since it's a soft tissue, I know I don't need to go to the doctor, but I'll probably go and get a massage or something to work out some of this tissue and probably be fine. Uh, but what I did, it, for example, is I knew that my leg was killing me all day and uh, I wanted to get a training session in even walking well i can't even walk so or even row or bike or anything so i just decided today was i'm going to do something that is going to help me with my mobility uh lengthening up muscles so that i don't walk weird and then my back hurts and then the, my low back hurts and it'll start creeping up all the way to my upper back and my neck so uh, what i do is uh, and i and i talk to the writers is when you get off you know when you're up come off a fall and I get the I get the mentality. The horse can't know that this is okay. The horse has to know that there's consequences to this, or at least maybe consequences is not the right term. But we're gonna get back on, and we're gonna do this because this is what needs to be done. And and that's I guess that's fine at the time. But then you have to have already a a plan so that depending on the type of fall it was, that once you're done with that lesson with the horse then you do take care of yourself. What do you need to ice? What do you need to heat? What do you need to uh, do? Maybe going to a therapist, a chiropractor, or what is severe enough that you're going, okay, I can't, I can't breathe right. Uh, I may need to go to the doctor and not just tough it out. Maybe you broke some ribs. Depending on the fall, even TBIs, where it's a traumatic brain, traumatic brain injury, where now you might have a concussion. Like There has to be some levels that you check off and you go, okay, well, I feel like I'm okay, but the lights are very bright. Uh, nobody's here. I may just want to sit it out, and that's the worst thing you can do. Anytime there's a 
there's a head injury, my, my safe thing is, yeah, you're going to wait in a, in a waiting room. But at least for someone to say it was not a big deal when it comes to your brain, that's a small price to pay. Because doing nothing and then going to sleep and then possibly not being, not being able to wake up, that's a big deal. But so many people do that. They'll just, you know, that's the number one thing is they try to keep you awake. In football, we saw this all the time. We don't, you get sleepy for a reason and you don't want to go to sleep. You, they keep you up for a, a, a certain amount of time so that they, they can see what's going on. They can see the reactions. They can see what your eyes are doing. But I think for, uh, there's not a lot of education and a lot of associations in the question world are trying to educate people, but it's, it's only the education only goes so far when people actually open up the emails or read the literature that the associations are trying to put out. Right. So still people don't know what the proper procedure is when you fall off and you hit your head. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because, uh, you know, I've I've completed my my training, my coach training, and and sure, we we had to watch quite quite a lot of material on you know concussions, and they are mm-hmm. a huge deal, and uh, people should take them seriously. You, you know, there's no such thing as a, a small concussion, or you know, I was I was only knocked no. out for you know thirty seconds or something Five seconds. like yeah. The, the, <laughs> Yeah, people people need to you know and at, at, at any point that you think that you lost consciousness, then then you must be assessed by a doctor, and, and you have to go for the 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 regular visits and and be cleared before you 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 get on another horse because, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe the first one is you know not that big a deal, but but the second one you can die from right if you get two concussions, two brain injuries back to back the second one's going to be fatal. So, um, you know, in yeah. equestrian sports, we, we should be taking these things very, very seriously. Yeah. And it always depends again on who is receiving this information, because again, if it's a, a working student, that something like that happened, there, there's no time to go to the doctor. There's no, there's always like, I'm fine. I'm fine. This is, it was only a small fall, but then you see the helmet and you're like, ah, oh, it's small fall, but that helmet says otherwise. And, and what I've learned is to help people so that they, if they, that does happen, I can help minimize, I can't prevent any TBIs. I mean, even football, they have the best equipment, the most sophisticated science, and they still get concussions. And the best thing that they do is that they know is to push for making the athletes neck stronger, neck training. Well, I've tried to do that. You know, I have to learn how to sell that type of training to equestrians because one of the things is, yes, we have to measure hypertrophy. In football, we can predict who's going to get a concussion by the size of their neck. Obviously, the smaller the size the neck, the more likelihood that you're going to be knocked out when you play football. So it is a big emphasis to increase uh, the, the the anthropometry of the neck. Well, if I sell that to, uh, you know, especially the, the female population who don't want necks like that, well, that's a hard no. That's a hard pass. I'm just going to buy this cool helmet. But little do they know, you can put a, the nicest helmet on a head, but if it doesn't have the, the structure to actually support the head, I don't care what helmet you have, it's not going to help you. And I know that's probably against uh, whoever's listening to this and uh, that, that is all about the helmets and the, and the different brands. I'm telling you, especially sport like football has so much more advanced technology than what I see in the equestrian sports. And they still can't prevent them because they know it's just something inevitable. So what I try to do is go, okay, we're going to strengthen next. 
I'm going to push, especially all my jumping athletes, that you're going to take uh, a supplementation of EPA, which is omega-3, is that found in there, of at least 1,000 milligrams. Why? Because the research shows that when somebody gets a very uh, bad TBI, the first line of supplementation or medication is a high dose of EPA. So that type of, of supplement will enter the blood-brain barrier, start to help take out all the inflammation that is in the brain and to, to lessen or, or speed up the recovery process. But in the research article, it also showed that if you take it as a supplement, it also helps you recover faster than just taking it as a form of medication after you've uh, been concussed. So I push that on everybody is, are you on omega-3? Oh, I, it tastes, I, I burp it up, put it in the refrigerator. Trust me, burping up the omega-3s is a lot better than having an eye that doesn't work and losing your vision, you know, or, or having some sort of like uh, stroke-like effects from a TBI. It's awful. So um, I think that, that that to me is one of the first things when I, especially like eventers or, or show jumpers, hunter jumpers, is make sure that you're taking supplementation like EPA, omega-3, with a dosage of at least at least 1,000 milligrams for, for, per dose every day. Uh, because you just it's just one of those things that just like a horse uh, takes a certain supplements for the line of work that they do, this is the supplement that you should be taking as well. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's really true. I mean, in, in paying attention to it and, um, you know, that, it, that really isn't something you want to play around with. Um, Tony, what, what about, you know, um, I come in a lot <laughs> and I'm like, my <laughs> neck hurts, my back hurts, my shoulder hurts, you know, and, and, and you've been really helpful, right? So now that I have, you know, I see you once a week, every Monday morning, um, and, and we work on it. And a lot of times you're, you're getting me loose for the week and, and it's really started to make a difference for me. Um, but I do, I get a lot of aches and pains. So how do you, you know, advise the older athletes, you know, to, to kind of minimize that if they don't get to see you every week. <laughs> I'm very lucky. Right. And I work with a lot of older riders because those are the ones that find the value in getting out of pain. The 21 year old, there, there is no value. They're just tough. You know, they're young, they recover faster. I mean, it's not that they don't value it in the sense of, I don't, I don't think I'm going to get injured. It's just that they recover so much quicker from those injuries. It, it's, it goes by so much faster, but as we age, I mean, injuries will stay with us for months, right? So my, what I do with you and what I do with a lot of my other older athletes, I first prioritize making sure that you have good muscle tissue quality. So a, a lot of the things that I do with you with the Theragun and doing a lot of just overall releasing tension from the muscle, because once we can do that, then the next phase would be now let's start mobilizing. So all the exercises that we do, Reese with the sticks and just going through a dynamic warm-up now that the muscle tissue will allow movement, we got to move. Movement is medicine. Even though you're achy, once you start getting blood moving and blood carries a lot of important nutrients in it that supply the muscles to help it start becoming uh, more, we want to call it, we call it being more um, hydrated, not in the sense of water, but kind of, it's more about having the right type of tissue quality, which has a lot of different fluids in there. So that way you can move better. And then if you move better, well, then it offsets for some time what your posture or say you were traveling a lot, Reese, that's a lot of sitting down. Well, we have to reset that. 
So if you just went from traveling all the time and right, and then going down and starting ride your horses or give lessons, standing all day, then you're going to be in pain. So, and again, especially for yourself, maybe not so much for the working student that's 21, they can rebound faster. So it's all about taking care of muscle tissue quality, doing a lot of work like foam rolling. Uh, I like to do work with my clients. It's called the myofascial release. And you can, you know, Google all kinds of things, but they usually use things like vibrating massage balls, uh, the Theragun or anything uh, like that, a, vib- a vibration gun that you can buy on Amazon. Um, and of course getting massages, but that, you know, getting that daily can get kind of expensive. So doing self releases or self soft tissue work is going to help after you get your soft tissue, then you start doing dynamic warmups, things that are going to improve your mobility in your ankles, your hips, your upper back. And then after some time, if you stay consistent with it, you start getting out of pain. When I work with people and they can't even mount their horse and they're always in pain, and they start dedicating themselves because this isn't, it's not fancy. It's not sexy. It's not all the bells and whistles. So when they first see a program like this, they're going, oh, this seems boring, but you know what? The basics, right? Just like uh, you all to know this very well, setting a good foundation, all the rest of the movements that you want to teach is so important. So for this, this type of training, this is my foundation. If you don't have high quality muscles, yes, when you fall, you're going to get injured easier. You don't have any of the hydration in your muscles, so they're stiffer. So when they hit, you're going to feel it a lot more than someone that has proper working muscles. You're going to be more, more mobile. So if you fall and you get a weird leg swing, your body can understand where that leg is and not freak out and tighten up the leg because it doesn't own that range of motion. You are so stiff that if you fall and your arm flails, off to the side, well, then your shoulder is going to get hurt because you didn't mobilize it. You didn't do anything to help so that you have a wide spectrum of movements because when you fall, there's not a lot of people that fall gracefully, right? So you got to make sure that you train yourself to, so that you have all this range of motion that will help you recover from injury faster. It doesn't prevent anything. It just helps with the recovery. And that's all training does, helps with the recovery. Oh, Tony, as always, you have the best, the best just way of saying it and and going over it. And so how can our listeners find you online if they want some more information? Because you've got lots of great tips online. Yeah. So I have my Instagram, which is my main area where I post all my content. And my Instagram handle is at Coach Sando Training, all one word. On Facebook, that migrates over there as well. And that's uh, just Coach Sando Training, three words. And people can go to my website, which is coachsandotraining.com. And there's a place there where you can leave some, you know, your information. I'll get back to you with any questions or anything like that. Tony, thank you so much. You're awesome as always. And I hope this helps a lot of our athletes out there stay healthy and stay out of trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. And our first Facebook shout out is going to Ruth because Ruth is amazing. And she, um, we actually compiled a list. It was supposed to go on our website, but she compiled a list of all the book club books. And we are so thankful because I put it right on our Facebook page. Everyone's been asking for this. It was amazing. So we, well, Ruth made it happen and got it on the Facebook page. So 
go to our Facebook page, Dressage Radio Show, and you will find all the books from the book club. Uh, they're right there, and you can get them at horseandriderbooks.com um, because uh, we had Martha on from uh, Trafalgar Square. And it's really cool to hear her story and how these books come to be. It's really cool. So don't forget, we do have a book club going on right now. Daniel Stewart, Bolder, Braver, Brighter. It's a great book, especially as we move forward toward the championship season and regional finals, et cetera. So we hope you like it a lot. And as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products. And if you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. 